stand for the reading of the scripture taken from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 17. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never heard? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. All right. It's great to be with you all. Get to share this message today. Have any of you had the opportunity to use one of these sledgehammer things? These are pretty satisfying to use, right? There was one, this one day, I had a really, like, bad day, frustrating interaction with somebody, and at some point, collected these, like, logs that somebody just left for free, like, on the side of their house, nobody could take. So we took them home, but I hadn't, we hadn't split them yet. And after I had that frustrating day, I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. So I borrowed some wedges and a sledgehammer from my neighbor, and I started splitting logs. It felt really good to swing this hammer, do a little damage, do something constructive by splitting logs, got some of that frustrations out. The story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on the day is what we read today. So before I go any further, let's read the verse. We're reading the story from Matthew chapter 21. Starting in verse 1. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, 
and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and all that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. To say that the people in were frustrated, Jesus is coming into the city is a bit of an understatement. Like my frustration on that day and my weird with that one person, the people of Israel are frustrated. They are currently under foreign rule. The Romans are in charge of Israel and Judea. They are having to pay high taxes. The religious leaders are putting high expectations and heavy burdens. There was this group of people called the Zealots, and they were like the resistance fighters, like the active people who were trying to fight against Rome and to get Rome out of there. They would act out violently. And one example of this was King Herod, Herod the Great, who was king while Jesus was born. He was the one responsible for rebuilding the temple at that time. And he was also a friend with Rome. And as he was rebuilding the temple to do honor to Rome as well, he put an image of a Roman eagle in the temple. Now, if you're a Jew and you're going to worship and you see a giant graven image of a Roman eagle in the temple, that's the last thing you want to see, right? So this group of zealots, these people who were violently resisting Rome, snuck in one time and they cut down that Roman eagle and it fell to the floor of the temple. And Herod caught these guys and ended up executing them. To many at the time of Jesus, I think it felt like that something like this and what the zealots were doing was the only answer. Because this is how people would respond. They would fight. They would act out violently. They would use a sledgehammer to get the job done. Because it kind of felt good sometimes. And this is when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Tensions are high. And as Jesus is coming in, people start singing psalms. They're waving branches. And I think it's very appropriate that in this story, we are told that the whole city of Jerusalem is stirred. 
Literally, the word is quaked like an earthquake. The whole city is shaking. And the city asks, who is this? Who is this Jesus coming in? What is he doing? Why are all these people following him, waving these palm branches? What does this mean? What has he come to do? Who is he for? Who is he against? I think many people are still asking this question today. Who is this Jesus? Hopefully today as we continue to look through this story, we will see the main point of my sermon, which is basically this. Jesus enters Jerusalem and demonstrates his kingship, not through conquering violently, but by making a way for everyone to worship God. So Jesus enters Jerusalem. For many who enters this For many who've heard this story, and if you've been in church for a while, I think we can get pretty comfortable with this story. We like the palm branches. We like the triumphal entry. It kind of becomes, yeah, we just, we read the story every year. But I think we should really pay attention to what Matthew is pointing us to here because there's a lot of uh, Bible quotes, there's a lot of images and illustrations and references that Matthew is trying to use to communicate to us who is Jesus. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and right off the bat, Matthew calls us to look back to the prophets, specifically the prophet Zechariah, which we read for the responsive reading today. Again, it's Zechariah 9, verses 9 through 10. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So Matthew connects Jesus entering Jerusalem to this quote from the prophet Isaiah, and he wants you to know immediately, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king coming, the king that has been expected. And uh, rightly, the people ask, who is this? Who is this king? What is he about? What is he going to do? I got my undergrad in history. I'm a bit of a history nerd, So much so that my mom got me this shirt, and I've never really been brave enough to wear it. It says, I majored in history, so let's assume that I'm always right. (laughs) I don't wear this shirt. I'm not brave enough to wear it. (laughs) Let's not assume I'm always right. You can feel free to ask me questions after, but... One thing stuck out to me as I was studying this, this verse... Matthew, as he's writing about Jesus and the people following him entering Jerusalem, usually we trot out palm branches, and the kids will be bringing in palm branches to wave, and that's what the other Gospels say. Matthew specifically just says branches. And I thought, huh, that's weird, Matthew. What are you, what are you trying to do there? So I did what history taught me to do, do a little research, I did what theology taught me to do, look at some Greek, 
And that took me back to a story that happened about 200 years before Jesus showed up on the scene. If you'll go back in time with me for a little bit. 200 years before Jesus, Israel was under the rule of a Greek empire called the Seleucid Kingdom. One of their kings, Antiochus Epiphanes, outlawed all Jewish practices in Jerusalem and in Judea. You couldn't circumcise, you couldn't celebrate Passover, you couldn't do anything that was remotely Jewish. He then brought in sacrifices and did pagan sacrifices in the temple. This made the Jews furious. And one of the Jews was a guy by the name of Judas Maccabeus. And a lot of people think that Maccabeus comes from the Hebrew or Aramaic word for hammer. Judas the hammer. I think I have a picture there, Tim. You can read about this Judas Maccabeus in the books of First and Second Maccabees, which are referred to as intertestamental books. They recount history that happened between the Old and the New Testament. If you come from a Catholic background, you might have heard them referred to as part of the Apocrypha. Now, are these books canonical? Are they inspired by God? No. But are they important for history? Yes, they are. So here's a description of Mr. Judas Maccabeus. He advanced the honor of his people. He put on his breastplate like a giant. He strapped on his war armor and waged battles, protecting the camp with his sword. He was like a lion in his actions, like a lion's cub roaring after prey. He hunted and pursued those who broke the law. He burned those who troubled his people. Lawbreakers were afraid of him and retreated. All evildoers were in turmoil. His hand successfully brought deliverance. Doesn't he sound awesome? So he roused a bunch of the Jewish people and inspired them to fight against this king and this empire who had outlawed all Jewish practices. And they went to the city of Jerusalem and wanted to take it back and to cleanse and clear the temple. And we read about that in the book of 2 Maccabees chapter 10. It says, The Maccabee and his companions, with the Lord leading them, recovered the temple and the city. They demolished the altars that the foreigners built near the marketplace as well as the sacred precincts. They cleansed the temple and made another altar. They struck flints to make fire and they offered up sacrifices after a lapse of two years. And they prepared incense, lamps, and sacred loaves. They celebrated eight days with the cheer in the manner like the festival of booze, remembering how during the previous festival they had been roaming about in mountains and caverns like animals. So they held ivy wands, beautiful branches, and also palm leaves, and offered hymns to the one who had made purification of his own temple possible. Does this sound familiar? This is happening just 200 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. This created an independent Jewish kingdom which lasted for about a hundred years until Rome would come in and take charge. And you know who Rome installed as king over Israel? King Herod the Great. Who was king while Jesus was being born. And now we're right back at it again during this time of Jesus that Israel is back under foreign rule. They're looking for a hammer. 
They're looking for somebody like Judas Maccabeus to come in again. Somebody who's going to bring the hammer down on Rome to resist those who like tore down the Roman eagle from the temple. This is what a lot of people are looking for. This is what a lot of people want. They want the frustrations to be removed like a sledgehammer can help us remove frustrations sometimes. But right there in the prophecy of Zechariah is a little phrase that we need to pay attention to. It says, your king is coming gentle and riding on a donkey. Gentle and riding on a donkey. So how's that going to play itself out? Jesus entering as king, the pomp and circumstance, the hosannas being shouted, the branches being waved like were being waved back when Judas Maccabeus took the temple. What kind of king is Jesus going to show us that he's going to be like? Well, what's the first thing that he, do, that he does? How does he demonstrate his kingship? I can kind of imagine the scene Everybody waving branches, following Jesus in, this giant crowd cheering, following Jesus, celebrating. And he leads them to the temple, and everybody's probably thinking, yeah, we're going to do this like big worship service with Jesus. This is going to be great. And then Jesus starts making a scene. Starts overturning tables. He doesn't go after the Romans who are probably just standing right next door. He's going after fellow Jews. I can almost imagine some of the people stopping and being like, oh, Jesus, time out. Same team, same team. Like, these are not the people we should be going after. What are these people doing? What are the people that Jesus is overturning the tables, these money changers and these people selling doves? What are they doing? More than likely, they're converting foreign currency so that people can pay the required temple tax to offer their sacrifices. That's one thing. Another thing, it mentions that Jesus is overturning the tables of those selling doves. People could bring their sacrifices, but a lot of times if you're traveling from a far-off country, it's a bit of a hassle to carry an animal with you that long. That animal might die in transit or something might happen to it, and you can't offer it as a sacrifice. So as a service... The people around would offer the opportunity for you to buy the animal to take to the sacrifice. And the dove was actually the cheapest animal you could buy to offer a sacrifice. And this was uh, offered to people who couldn't afford like a sheep or a goat. And more than likely, this is occurring just outside the temple in the court of the Gentiles. Where you had to be if you were a Gentile and not a Jew if you wanted to come worship God. You couldn't go into the temple. You had to stay outside. And all this noise of business and people selling and exchanging money is happening outside the temple. I was never here when you guys held the the yard sale. I heard it, it was a pretty big deal for this church and for the community. I kind of imagine the scene like outside of the temple of people exchanging money and selling animals, almost like the yard sale. And imagine if we had held the yard sale on Sunday, just outside, and we're trying to do worship at the same time. People are trying to come in to worship, 
But the yard sale's going on. You got to get through the piles of clothes or books or sofas or whatever else people are dropping off to sell at the yard sale. And then imagine if we required people, you know, for the benefit of the church, to buy something before they could even come inside. This is why Jesus is frustrated. This is why Jesus is upset. So Jesus comes in. He starts overturning these tables because they're in the way. They're in the court of the Gentiles. He starts getting rid of the people who are selling doves. And he gives us a hint as to why he's doing it. Because he starts quoting Scripture. First, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. From Isaiah 56, verses 4 through 7. says, For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. As Jesus is overturning tables, he says, Is it not written, my house will be a house of prayer? He's referring to this prophecy of Isaiah that talks about eunuchs and foreigners being able to come into the temple and worship. And Jesus sees this crowd outside in the court of Gentiles restricting people's ability to come into worship. And he says, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. This space, the temple, Jesus says, is supposed to be for everyone. It's not supposed to be limited. It's not supposed to be policed or walled off. Jesus wants the temple to be open and available for all who want to come and worship. That's what this church is supposed to be like too, friends. We need to be open and available for all who come to worship, not putting up restrictions. Jesus has an issue with the money changers and their tables acting as this barrier to worship being in the way of those coming in. Jesus also quotes from the prophet Jeremiah. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. That probably won't be the last time you'll hear me say that. <clears throat> Prophet Jeremiah verses uh, chapter 4 says this, But look, you who are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand me before me in this house which bears my name and say, We are safe. Safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a dinner of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. I love that last line. I've been watching. Jesus says this house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of robbers. Quoting from this prophecy in Isaiah. Jesus is basically saying, like what the prophet Jeremiah is saying, the presence of the physical temple in Jerusalem isn't the point. 
Just because it's standing there doesn't mean you can go on living your life doing whatever you want, doing unjust things, hoping that the presence of the temple will save you. Or hoping that you can just come back into the temple and start worshiping God, pretending that everything's fine while all of these things are going on outside the temple. After being identified as a king, Jesus quotes the prophets and takes up the mantle of a prophet by pointing out what is going wrong with the temple and worship at his time. Clearing the temple to make space for others and offers a prophetic warning to everybody who's there. Because in the time of Jeremiah the prophet, he's warning the people that if this keeps going on, things are going to go south for you. And it wasn't long after Jeremiah said these words that the Babylonians came in and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And it's honestly not going to be long and after Jesus says these words that the Romans will come in and destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple. So Jesus is frustrated that he sees these things and like a prophet tries to warn the people that if you keep doing this, this is not what God intended those who would take advantage of those coming to worship, those who would impede worship, those who would do unsavory things but consider them okay because we're just keeping the temple of the service going. We have to collect this money. We have to sell these animals or else the temple won't survive. Jesus stands up against these people as the prophets before him to identify what is wrong and how religion during his time has been twisted. I don't think we have to look far today to find leaders in churches or ministries who are being propped up and under them they're hiding crazy scandals and immorality all for the sake of if we let this go, this whole thing could crumble. We need to keep this ministry going no matter what's happening. That's what Jesus is standing up against. That it's not about the structures. It's not about the ministry. We need good people. We need good religion. So Jesus has been identified as a king. He's acted prophetically, trying to redirect us. And then what happens next? The reading today closes with verses 14 through 16. It says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you not read? From the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise. This past weekend, when the weather was nice, we did a fair amount of cleaning in our house and, and yard work outside, did a lot of weed whacking to get rid of weeds that were getting pretty tall. And it's interesting when you're done with that kind of work, cleaning up stuff, cleaning up your yard, making things look nice, that moment when you sit down and you get a look around and everything's clean. That's a good feeling, right? I remember when I was at home, being a stay-at-home dad with the kids, there was this one moment where I'd kind of clean stuff in the house, but they were like at school, and everything stayed clean for a few hours. That felt really good. 
I think that's kind of like what happens right here. That Jesus has entered as king, as the one as in charge. He cleanses and clears the temple. And that peace kind of settles in. And who shows up? The blind, the lame, and the children. And Jesus heals the blind and the lame. There's space for them to come into the temple. They are welcomed into the temple, into worship. Jesus doesn't kick them out. He heals them so that they can worship without being restricted by their blindness or their lameness. Children follow him into the temple and are shouting in the temple courts. Children aren't supposed to be there. But they're inside shouting and worshiping Jesus and worshiping God. And Jesus doesn't kick them out. But the religious leaders aren't happy. They show up waving their fingers at Jesus and the kids. They're making too much noise, Jesus. Do something about this. Yet Jesus allows it all to continue. The blind and the lame are healed and the children are worshiping God. And Jesus quotes Psalm 8. Lord, O Lord, how majestic in your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Jesus doesn't need to build walls to protect his temple. Jesus doesn't need to set up some kind of guards outside to police who's going to come in to make sure that everything that happens in the temple is okay. The worship of children and infants establishes the stronghold. The worship of those who aren't being allowed in is what's going to protect this space. I think I think we would do well in the church to listen to that because Jesus here is operating as king and then prophet and now as a priest by mediating the space for worship, by mediating who can come in and who can offer worship and guiding the people in worship. And who is he letting in for worship? Everybody. The blind, the lame, the children, Those who were following him, probably some Gentiles were mixed into that because Jesus made connections with those people. And the religious leaders are upset. This is not how this works, Jesus. And Jesus says, this is exactly how it's supposed to work. And this is what will protect this space. We would do well to listen to that as well. The encouragement of Jesus to let the people in. Let the blind and the lame and the kids. We'll be letting the kids in with some palm branches a little bit later. And that's why I love on Palm Sunday that it is the kids who bring in the palm branches and the ones following Jesus. And we get to participate in that kind of worship with the children. So let's go back to the question we asked at the beginning that the city of Jerusalem was stirred and was asking who is this? Who is this Jesus? What has he come to do? Who is he for? 
How we answer this question as a church is going to have a significant impact in our witness into this community and those we come in contact with. Who is this? Is it Jesus the hammer? Like Judas Maccabeus? Gentle and lowly, riding on a donkey? No. This is Jesus, the true king, who we are called to devote our lives to. This is Jesus, the true prophet, who challenges us and pushes us and points out where we need to grow and do things differently. This is Jesus, the true priest, who gives us all, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, the blind, the lame, beggars, children, anybody, access to worship so that we can all be called children of the one true God. So hopefully today you've seen this point. That Jesus, as he's entering Jerusalem, demonstrates his kingship not through conquering violently, but by making a way for everyone to worship God. Amen. Sing you are good.